So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure your photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast where we teach you how to grow your photography business if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog posts check out sixfigurephotography.com now here's your host ben hartley Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 43 of the SFP podcast. My name is Ben Hartley, your host. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to another episode. The entire purpose of the SFP podcast is to help you grow your photography business, to help you understand that you have value to give, to understand your self-worth, right? That's the entire reason that we exist. On today's episode, it's a good one. We have Natalie Frank with us today, you guys. Natalie Frank, she's an entrepreneur. She's a photographer. She's a mobilization marketer. She's a community builder and neuroscience nerd. We get a little nerdy on this episode, you guys. And look, you probably know her because she's one of the founders of the Rising Tide Society and head of community over at HoneyBook. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about overcoming fear. We're going to talk about dealing with self-doubt, embracing community, keeping your head down and grinding forward even when you guys don't want to do it. We're going to talk about what we can learn from others outside of this photography industry itself. It's a really great episode and I won't keep it. Let's jump right in and talk to Natalie. Natalie, welcome to the SFP podcast. How are you? I'm doing so well. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. Um, look, we had, uh, well, I, I had the opportunity to meet you at United yes. uh, last year, poolside. It was like, the, that was that was an amazing conference for so many reasons, one of which was simply the location and the weather. Um, but it was so great to meet you then and, and now to, to continue the conversation and talk to you here. Absolutely. I'm so honored to be here. And it was, it was fun. It was like, you know, a whole week in the desert, a ton of photographers, just like learning, hanging out together. I don't know. It was awesome. Take me back. Take me Seriously. back. I'm going back. Are you going back? I'm going yes, back. Yes, of course. I wouldn't miss it for the world. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally going back. Um, excited to be speaking again this year. And it's you're right, such an amazing like I walked away from that uh, group of people. Let's just call them people. Let's not even say photographers. I, I walked away from that group of people and I was like, yeah. this is a great group. I I just there was something about the United group that I really, really connected with. I really felt um I felt a lot of good things there. My wife came and she's kind of stepped away from the photography world and it wasn't, it wasn't odd. It wasn't weird. It was not a place. Um, she felt so welcome there as well. And so anyhow, uh, one of the best experiences I've ever had at a conference. Um, anyhow, girl, so where, where are you at now? Where are we calling from? 
So I'm in San Francisco. I'm in the foggy Bayside city. It's actually quite sunny today, which is great. Um, but just moved here, actually. Just moved here in January. Nice. It's funny. You say it's actually sunny. Like, and I'm like <laughs> so jealous. I'm like from Ohio. It's like thunderstorms and rain and cloud and it'll probably oh. snow tomorrow. Um, <laughs> anyhow, well, fantastic. So San Francisco, before we got on the call, I was, I was reading through, I love to just, uh, read through some of like the copy on websites. I feel like, um, for the photographers, for the people that uh, they have that usually end up on this, uh, podcast, they understand the value of copywriting. And so I was like, Natalie understands the value of copywriting. I want to read, I want to read some of the words that she had to say. And I loved how you talked about, um, in a little bit about you of your emphasis on, on science, on your love and your passion for science, specifically neuroscience and psychology. I figured there's no better way to start this conversation than with these two things, because I I'm fascinated by it. Uh, I think it plays out so much in photography, in business, in life. And so as a photographer, let's start there. As a photographer, how have you seen your understanding of psychology and neuroscience play out for your benefit? Oh, my goodness. Well, I, I mean, I guess even just kind of giving everyone a little bit of background, I, so I, I'm a huge nerd. Uh, just as Ben mentioned, I'm a huge nerd. I absolutely love psychology and neuroscience. I studied it in college. And, um, you know, when I went to get ready for graduation, as a lot of people do, I, you know, had that decision to make. Am I going to go to a full-time job? Am I going to pursue photography? And I, I've heard this a lot from uh, different creatives that say, like, I am not pursuing what I got my degree in, right? Like, they're like, I studied this other thing that I am super passionate about, and now I am doing something totally different. And at the time, or initially... I thought, oh my gosh, I hope this wasn't for waste, right? Like, I hope I didn't study, um, you know, visual studies, uh, psychology, cognitive neuroscience, just because I wanted to put myself through a really tough time uh, <laughs> and just endure, you know, the insanity of that. But you know what is funny is that it does apply to photography. It applies to small business. Uh, it applies immensely to life. And I think it just kind of comes back to two things. One, that at the, at the end of the day, we all have very similar hardware. So the brain, um, you know, from human to human is essentially very much, you know, the same. Again, there are going to be differences among all of us. Um, we like to think of ourselves as little snowflakes, but the truth of the matter is we, we all have um, very similar brain structures, especially within gender. So there's like the female brain, there's the male brain, and there are distinctions there actually, quite, quite profound distinctions. Um, but what I... I find to be awesome about it is that although we all have sort of like the very, very similar foundations, it's our experiences, it's um, our struggles in life, it's what we learn, what we overcome, it's our um, overall uh, perspective on the world that begins to shape how we understand, um, you know, what we see and how we interpret that, that information. And so being a creative, you know, again, it's, it's, we all sort of make this assumption in the day to day when we wake up that other people view the world the way that we do. We take it for granted, actually. But, you know, psychology goes to show and, and neuroscience even when you, when you take the data that comes in. And when I say data, I'm talking about specifically in this instance, photons um, and photons entering the eye. You know, that is how we, we sort of come about this idea of vision, right? Light enters the eye. Um, it, you know, essentially hits our, re our retinas. They have photoreceptors on the back, right? Like they take in that data. It flows through the optic nerve. It hits the optic chiasm. It's then transferred back to the visual cortex. I won't go further than that. But what I will say <laughs> yeah. is that essentially we all will get very similar data inputs, 
but what we perceive can be drastically different. And, and, and I'm not talking in just this like very like, you know, meta, you know, like out there perspective. I'm saying like, we can't even agree whether the dress was black and gold or blue and white. Like we can't, totally, we, it was totally know, blue and white. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But like that, that's my point. I mean, I think that even amongst ourselves and things that should be so easy for us to discern, um, you know, we, we do struggle with that a bit. And when you take that and apply it to something like business, or you take that and you apply that understanding to something like photography, it becomes a little bit easier to understand how you could take three different creatives, put them in the same situation, and they're going to produce very different work. Uh, they're going to come out of that with a very different product to share with the world, whether that's at a wedding, which is my background, wedding photography, um, or even just, again, in, in writing, if, if you're a marketer, in how you approach strategy to marketing. Your understanding, your experiences, they play a tremendous role in just how you live your life um, as an adult, how you move forward. Love it. That was like, I'm like on the edge of my seat, just like wanting to keep going further and further and further down these rabbit holes. It's so um, nerdy. It's so nerdy. But it's really exciting. It's really fun. And I think understanding uh, understanding how you, well, how you understand the human mind, I think it's really shaped your empathy for this industry. And I think it's really shaped your understanding of uh, why why we do what we do, you know, as, as a photography community. Did that play out? Look, um, you know, we already mentioned in the intro, in 2015, you started the Rising Tide Society. Did your understanding of this, is did that play out in terms of why you started the Rising Tide Society? Oh, without a doubt. I think just being, um, you know, sort of exposed to psychology, um, understanding the needs of um, human beings at a very fundamental level, especially, you know, women. And that's sort of, I obviously, I am a woman. I know it's surprise, everyone. But no, I, <laughs> I'm a woman. I'm very, very passionate about understanding um, psychology and understanding the female brain specifically. And, um, you know, women just by their, their wiring are like, we're all social creatures, human beings, but women are especially social. Women require community in a very unique way, um, just based on the fundamental workings of um, the way their brains are structured. And, and so when I you know, kind of stepped into this, this world of entrepreneurship. And I realized, you know, we have tens of thousands of especially millennials, but young people that look up to entrepreneurs that they see on social media now exposed for the first time through technology in a really exciting and inspirational way. And they want to strive for that. They want to build their own business. They want autonomy in their lives. And they're literally, and this was my biggest fear is like, they're, they're jumping off a cliff in complete isolation, right? Like they don't realize that pursuing entrepreneurship means pursuing one of the loneliest and hardest, um, professions that, you know, currently exists in the first world, because ultimately what you're doing is saying, A, um, I'm going to put all the weight of responsibility and risk on my shoulders. And B, a lot of this now is, is, entrepreneurship behind a computer. So it's like solopreneurship in a very isolating way. Your life looks like, you know, waking up in the morning, walking 15 feet, 10 feet to a desk and, um, sitting down, working on the computer, maybe remembering to eat, maybe remembering to shower, right? Like leaving at the end of the day and just eating dinner and going back to sleep. And this cycle of, um, isolation is the best word that I can use to describe it. it yeah. It's, yep. It's hard. So the Rising Tide Society was born from a place of understanding that for someone to be successful as an entrepreneur, a couple things need to happen. Um, one, they can't go through the journey alone. I, it sounds so simple, you know, when you say it, but then when you look at the reality and you look at the fact that a lot of these entrepreneurs viewed one another as competition, they thought of one another as the enemy, so to speak, um, you know, 
there were these walls that would almost inhibit them from genuinely building relationships, genuinely building the types of relationships that are going to lead to fulfillment and support. And um, that, you know, alone was was something big to come up against. But then also we we deal with this secondary issue of, you know, the rate at which information is is being spread and technology is changing and uh, marketing, especially, I mean, marketing is, is very much tied now to social and social media. And um, in order for someone to succeed on social, they need to be aware of what's new and what's happening and where they need to be allocating their time. And if you're going at it by yourself, you simply can't learn all of that at the speed of light. I have tried. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. But yet when you're surrounded by other entrepreneurs who are going through the same thing that you are, who understand your struggles, maybe better than anyone else, not only do you have the emotional support that I mentioned in the beginning, but you also have the ability to learn and learn information that's relevant directly to your success. And so we wanted to change the way that the industry viewed competition. We wanted to say, look, um, you know, we believe in this idea of community over competition. It doesn't mean that we don't believe that there is competition. It's not community without it, right? It's just community over it. And, and essentially putting people first, saying that we can be business owners and we can thrive and succeed on a financial level, right? But we can also find ways to actually build these ecosystems within our local communities that foster the type of success uh, that we all deserve to have as we're entering this very challenging um, industry. I love it. And it comes from a scarcity mindset. I think yes. that even as I started producing, you know, uh, the podcasts and the daily live videos and just giving, 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 I remember sitting down with my parents and they looked at me like I was insane. And they said, why are you helping everyone beat you? Like, mm -hmm. why are you just giving it all away? Right. And it's this scarcity fear-based mindset that I think that it's, it makes sense by the way, too. I, I'm not surprised, you know, I think that, I think it makes sense that many photographers enter into this and they have this, uh, this mentality that, um, they have to protect what's theirs. Right. And so what is your, what's your advice for a photographer who let, let's, there's two different things that I would like to talk about. I'd like to talk about the photographer who has that who's just scared all the time. They need to put their watermark, you know, and yeah. like uh, yeah. three quarter follow or like, you know, one third of the, the image all the way across and copyright this guy. And it's like, they don't want anybody to know anything. Uh, that's maybe one side, but I'm actually more interested. I got an email from a photographer who was like, look, I just started out. And Ben, I keep hearing you talk about to network and to build community and to, and to connect with other photographers in my local market. How do I do that? Yep. without them thinking I'm just the new kid trying to take from them. So what do you what do you say to that photographer? What's the advice that you give for someone who's new, they're just starting out, and they're wanting to get plugged into the community, but they don't just want to be seen as the leech? Yes. Okay, so let's hit both of them. But let's start yeah. with the newcomer. And let's start with those of you who, you know, maybe you're new to the industry, but maybe you're just new to, it could be a couple different things, right? You're new to your local area. Maybe, mm -hmm. you're, maybe you're jumping up in price. So maybe you're actually starting to approach a new market, a new demographic, which means you're almost new in a, in a whole fresh way. You're going to be working with different types of professionals to network than maybe you were when your prices were at a different point. Um, so in terms of how to actually start to build those relationships, I really believe that it, you, and you actually said it, which is perfect. It's, it's about what you're willing to offer other people. Mm -hmm. I think so often we go into situations with what can I get out of it? 
when the most um, profound success that I found and the people who genuinely a lot of us follow, a lot of us care about, a lot of us listen to or read books about, um, they often provide value first. They see that by being of service to other people, um, more good comes out of that for, for them than any amount of asking what they can get out of it themselves. And so I would say approach those opportunities from the perspective of, hey, if it's with another photographer that you'd love to work with, maybe, you know, who you'd hope would send you referrals. Hey, you know, do you have any shoots coming up? I'm brand new to the area. I would absolutely love to, you know, help. Um, again, I, I don't, and this is my, my personal opinion, but I'm never below, um, you know, carrying someone's camera bag. I don't care whether I've charged 10 grand for a wedding, which I have, I will still show up and carry someone's camera bag if it's in service to them. And if I know in the larger picture of things that it's going to help to build a relationship with someone that really will value both of us in the long run. And so I think that's important. I don't know if you've ever felt that way. Like Ben, have you ever like had to start over and almost had to kind of go back to square one and. Well, yeah, even with it's, it's fun. I mean, even. Uh, even with SF Live and this podcast, you know, this podcast came out of already having a, a business underneath me that has been really successful and continuing to build it, right? And then having to like go back to like square one of like hopping on a live video with zero people watching and like press record and this like crickets and and trying to figure out what do I do and and how do I begin to understand this whole process of of reaching people in a whole new way, starting a whole new business. And uh, that's entirely outside of, I mean, really what I'm doing is outside of the photography market from the actual approach standpoint, you know, creating content online like this. And so it's a very humbling thing, you know, to, to try to figure out first, how do you, how do you just connect with someone first and, and set yourself aside? It's the ROI of relationship, which is really, I think so often we, we like, we pass up, the long-term gain for this short-term win. I see this all the time in in my local market, people who want to charge a wedding planner $500 for headshots, or you want your website updated with new, new images vendor. It'll cost you, you know, a hundred dollars a picture and you can't use it in a magazine. It's just, it's, it's a, it's a silly thing to be quite honest, because man, long-term gain, man. And it is, I guess going back to the whole like ROI relationships, I, I want this. I wish I could just like put this out there in, in some sort of way. It's like, it's infinite. There is, it's an infinite ROI. There, there's infinite possibility behind it. I digress. No, I, I think you just nailed it. I mean, it's, you know, short-term, long-term gain, looking at things from that perspective. I like to say it's like macro, micro. It's sort of thinking, you know, the incremental steps that we have to get somewhere, but always keeping a perspective of the bigger picture. Uh, and again, I, you know, it goes back to, I think, just understanding that um, there is so much value in giving to other people. I, it's how people always get, you know, they get really weird about it and we, we kind of have touched on it, but, but my work is worth something. Why shouldn't I charge for my headshots? And, you know, my point is like, I, you're right. Your, your work is worth something, but you have an option here. You could make $500 or you could build a relationship with this wedding planner. Like you, the example you used, um, that could yield tens of thousands down the road. It's your choice. Like I choose the latter because ultimately I know that building that relationship, showing not only to the wedding planner that I value them, I care about their success by providing them quality images, but I also want to work with them. I, I'm going to, you know, kind of 
foster a good conversation while we're together and really be focused and intentional and there's value there. And then continuing forward, you know, that's for the newcomer. So like give value, show up guys, show up. Um, and then also, um, for someone that, you know, maybe you've been in the industry for a while and you're listening to me and going, who the heck is this chick? And why is she telling me to give things away for free? Um, I hear you. Look, I hear you. Um, you know, for those of you guys who know me more from the rising tide side, you're probably not as familiar uh, with me as a, as a photographer, but you know, I, I ran a business that brought in almost a quarter of a million dollars in revenue. And, um, that was as a solo photographer. I don't have associates. So I understand what it means to make a living doing this. And I, I really believe that, you know, we can, we can kind of live from those two mindsets. We can live from that mindset of scarcity. We can live from that mindset of abundance. And I've always chosen abundance and it has always paid off. And, um, the analogy that, that I use lately is, you know, I, I did grow up playing football, but a lot of you might have, a lot of you might have grown up playing football, um, and are familiar with throwing a football, but I actually learned later in life how to throw a football, ironically enough. Um, and, and one of the biggest mistakes that I made as I was learning to throw this football is that I would look, so I was always looking to the left and to the right of me and not realizing that the ball would often go in the direction that I was focusing on, right? Like wherever I was looking, if I was looking straight ahead, that's where my arm and my follow through would, would end up. And that's where the ball would go. Go. But if I was looking to the left or I was looking to the right and I would go to throw the ball straight ahead, it wouldn't. It would be slightly skewed. It would go off to the left or off to the right because that's where I was putting my focus and my energy. Um, and a lot of you are probably going, yeah, of course, that's obvious. Thanks for that very obvious statement, Nat. But think about that in terms of how you focus on your business. Are you looking straight ahead in a positive direction of where you want to go and where you want to grow? Or are you constantly looking around, looking over your shoulder, wondering who's going to steal from you? Got to put 10 watermarks on it, right? Who um, is doing better than you? Comparison game. Um, all of those things are just detractors and distractions from the truth, which is you want to build a business. So focus on building a business, focus on building relationships, focus on success. Um, it doesn't mean that it's going to come easy. I'm not telling you that if you think it, it'll happen. But what I am saying is if you focus intently on what you want, and then you work harder than anyone else and you refuse to give up, sooner or later, you'll get pretty darn close. Um, and I, I believe that with everything in my heart. Absolutely. And it's patience. It's, it's, it's showing up every day, moving the needle, you know, one bit of time, taking one step, one step, one step, one step. And you, man, you do one step for 30 days. You do one step for 60 days. You do one step for 90 days. And like things start happening, man. But let's let's actually before we even get like that's great. I think there's some people who are like, yeah, that's great. But like even the idea of oh, that's great that you want to provide value to a vendor up front. But I think some people actually even struggle with that very beginning thought process of do I even have value to give them? Like, yeah, uh, I, I will go take their picture. I would do that all day, but I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't think I actually have value to give. You know what? There's someone else out there. There's another photographer who I already saw take their headshots. There's another photographer who I've already seen photograph at that venue. I'm sure they're doing it. I'm sure that this person doesn't need me. How do we begin to deal with that, that self-doubt? I'm sure like I'm, I've dealt with it. I'm sure you've dealt with it. How do you deal with with self-doubt and, and actually understanding your own value first before you try to put it else, uh, put it anywhere else. So it kind of goes back to the psychology portion that we talked about earlier. You know, I actually did a mentoring session today prior to our podcast interview. And that was one of the biggest things that we hit on. I mean, this incredible photographer, she is just, she's going to do incredible things. Um, you know, 
she came in wanting to learn about marketing strategy, but within five minutes, I could tell that the bigger problem was uh, that she hadn't accepted the fact that she was truly good enough. Mm-hmm. And we can't, we can't succeed if we don't, you know, truly believe that what we're doing is worth value. At the end of the day, if you're trying to sell it, like, let's just get, let's just be real. If you're trying to build a business and sell your service, sell your photography, you have to understand that it's worth something. Because if you don't feel like it's worth something, then you're not ready to start a business. Like that should be, I mean, to me, that's like the first and fundamental step. Now, I don't say that to discourage any of you who are struggling with this imposter syndrome or struggling with um, self-doubt because I deal with it every single day. But I ultimately know that I have worked really hard. You have worked really hard. You are learning. You are growing. You may not be, you know, the quote unquote best in the world, but I would hope you're not because if you're the best in the world, that means that you have essentially, you know, reached the end, you've reached the finish line. Um, I always want to be a little less than best. I want to surround myself and I hope you do as well with people who are smarter than me, right? People who are smarter than you, people who know more, people who are better. So if you are looking at that wedding planner, looking at that person you want to collaborate with and you're saying to yourself, yeah, but I'm just not good enough then I want to challenge you to number one, figure out where that's really coming from. Where in your heart do you really feel like you aren't good enough? Is it the quality of your work? If so, you can fix that. Like that's easy. Learn, go get education, practice like that. That's something you have control over. Actually, all of it you have control over. It's such a mind game at the end of it, isn't it? Like at the the end, it's like we're fighting against ourselves more than we're even fighting against the market or the competition, uh, especially in the creative space. It's a, it's a mental game. And so I want you to win that mental game. Um, Honestly, I think that that's sort of uh, where it lies. It's, it sounds silly, but like you have to prove to yourself that you are worth it. And for some people, it's easy. Some people are born with tons of confidence and, you know, they wake up and they believe like they could do no wrong. And that's great. Um, but the vast majority of us are, you know, working to become more self-aware every day. And we do struggle with these things. And, you know, I'll actually I'll use a personal example. Um, so in, in making this jump from being full-time wedding photographer to running the rising tide society to working in a Silicon Valley startup, which all is sort of like a giant jumbled, um, mess of, of my life at the moment, I'll never forget when I, you know, walked into a room, um, of marketers and I, I thought to myself, well, I, I'm just a small business owner. Like I, you know, at the time, the person I was talking to, he had worked for, you know, Intuit and LendingTree and, um, you know, Yelp. Someone else had worked. And I'm sitting here going, I don't know what I have to offer these people, right? Mm-hmm. And I really genuinely felt out of my league for a good five minutes. Um, but here's the, the point I, I want to share with you. As I started to sit down and I started to take deep breaths and listen and observe, I realized, no, I actually know just as much, if not more, than some of these marketers. I've run a business. I've seen the whole picture. I'm not maybe a specialist in, you know, email acquisition, but I've built an email list. I may not be completely um, aware of, you know, all the A-B tests that have ever been run on subject lines, but I know what a click rate is. I, I can understand, you know, whether or not a message that I'm sending to a client or a customer is being received well. Um, and, and what I learned was I had to first put myself out there to really understand A, that I knew what I was talking about. And that's what I want to say to you guys is you have to be willing to be courageous enough to put yourself out there to know that you do actually indeed understand and know your craft, right? You have to kind of test it. You have to take a leap in, in all, um, for all intents and purposes. Um, but you also have to be willing to learn 
and, and not be afraid of not knowing at all. I think the, the biggest uh, thing that I see among people who are very successful is not that they're, they were born with innate skills that just put them above everyone else. It's actually quite the opposite. Most of the time, these people are, yes, they, they are smart, right? But generally, but what they really have is grit and the willingness to learn constantly. Uh, they read or they listen to podcasts like this, or they are constantly curious and hungry for new information, and they're not afraid of failing. They see failing as a step in the path to success. They see failing as an opportunity to actually improve. And for so long, I thought, oh my goodness, if I put myself out there and someone says no, or right, like I'm not, the wedding planner doesn't want me to do their headshots, then suddenly I have completely failed and there's no point to me ever trying again when instead it just means no, not now, not right now, but maybe one day. And, um, I think that we have to be open to learning. We have to be, be courageous enough to put ourselves out there and be willing to be turned down, be willing to be rejected. Once you've been rejected, it's a lot easier to be rejected again. And and it gets easier every time. I wish it, I wish, you know, we never had to be rejected, but the reality of life is that you will. So I'd say go out there and get rejected just to feel how it feels and then realize, oh, <laughs> that didn't hurt like as much as I thought. I can do this. I'm a little bit braver than I thought I was. Sure. And and to to not wait for fear to completely subside before you take that action. Can you guys yes. please, please don't wait for fear to go away. I'm saying go and do it in fear. Be scared out of your mind yes. and then pick up the phone. Be scared and send out an email. Be scared and go on the dance floor. Say hi to that girl. You know what I mean? Like this goes outside of photography. This goes outside of business. Don't like, don't try to overcome your fear. Be scared. And then yeah. do it anyways, right? Yeah. Confidence comes out of taking action first. Yeah. You don't first get confidence and then suddenly you go take action. You you, you take action. Right. And then confidence comes, comes through that eventually through repetition and through practice and through putting in the work. You know, it's crazy now. You, know, you get this. There's this funny thing that happens when you practice something for three, four, 10 hours out of the day, every day, you get better at it. And the same thing is true of confidence. Uh, you practice it, you get better at it. I love this. I love this. Yeah. Well, this is what, I mean, essentially even at United, this is something I kind of touched on. So you're absolutely right. I mean, when you practice confidence, so, you know, the brain, essentially we have neuroplasticity and and the brain is constantly evolving and changing. And that means that you can learn new skills, even as an adult. It also means that you can grow and evolve in ways that are not just, again, I I love when we talk about it because I think sometimes I was always the skeptic, right? I was always the person who said, "Uh uh-huh, that sounds great. But like, Mm -hmm. I'm sure there's, there's no basis of that in reality, but on a scientific level, I mean, neural pathways are formed when you are courageous and you constantly go above and beyond. And also what's, what's interesting. Um, and I talked about this a little at United, you know, I, um, two years ago, I pick a word every year, I should say, um, you know, it was my word of the year. And two years ago, I, I chose the word fearless. Now, I, I don't know why the heck I thought this was a good idea. You never choose the word fearless. Um, it is probably one of the worst words you can choose. Why? Well, if any of you have chosen it and you've truly lived into that, you know, that it requires you to be uncomfortable, uh, a, a lot more than you're used to, but I think what I would have done differently, I should preface as saying I would have chosen the word courageous and I'll explain why. Um, you can't truly be without fear. Like as a human being on, on a neurological level, uh, you know, fear is, is like anything else. It's like, it's like, you know, happiness. It's, it's the release of certain, uh, you know, chemicals in the brain. And ultimately through practice, you can actually train yourself to interpret the, the feeling of fear as excitement 
or, you know, it's the adrenaline rush either way. So it's, you know, you can actually teach your brain, look, I'm not scared. I'm excited. And that's, you know, something that in that year of living fearlessly, I was forced to do when my friends, you know, dared me to go bungee jumping. Um, for example, I was not the kid that ever did anything crazy. Look, I, you know, got all, got straight A's because I was terrified of getting anything less than that. Um, you know, my grandmother was a very tough woman, but regardless, I I worked really hard and I never took these crazy risks. And so this year of living fearlessly, I went bungee jumping. I got a tattoo. I traveled around the world. I did all of these wild things that anyone who knows me, actually, now it's my fun, you know, two truths and a lie. It's always the one they get wrong because no one would assume I have a tattoo or have been bungee jumping. Uh, <laughs> it's just, I'm not that kind of person, you know, but I am. And I think what's interesting is that we all have that that ability to be courageous within us. Sometimes it just takes practice. It takes saying, I'm going to commit to this. And in discovering that even as I was jumping off a perfectly good ledge and the bungee cord caught me and I bounced back up, I still got on top of the ledge and I was still terrified of ever doing it again. I wasn't fearless, but I was a little bit more courageous. And I think that you nailed it when you said, you know, it's not living without these fears or waiting for the fears to subside before you take that next step in your business. It's saying, I know that I'm scared and I'm choosing to act in spite of it. I'm choosing to say, no, this fear will not control me. This fear does not define me. I define myself. I'm able to step forward and to take charge of my life, um, even when my hands are shaking. And I think like, that's something that all of us could do a little bit more of. And I just wonder, I really do. I, especially lately with a lot of the, the speaking I've been doing and the traveling, I meet a lot of people and I wonder how many more incredible ideas would exist that, that would have gone out in the world and changed lives if people had had the courage to just take that step. Like how many more rising tide societies would there be if people had not given up when they felt afraid? Uh, and I, I believe very many. And so it really, really has been a big piece of my heart lately to just encourage people to take that step if they feel really called to do something in their life or in their business to expand, to grow, to build a community, um, whatever it is to scale their income, to create even a podcast, like, you know, have the courage to do that. Even if it means failure, even if it means, you know, looking silly, you mentioned even going on Facebook live and having zero people watching, like, do you know how many times I've done that? Like many times, many, many times, no one pays attention to that. They just see my wins and they go, Oh yeah, she's so successful. But in order to be successful, like you've got to fail more than you've succeeded. That's just honestly like the truth of it. Um, same goes for relationships. It goes for life. Like if a relationship is perfect and you've never hit a roadblock, I really believe like then you haven't dug deep enough. Like in community, it's the same way. If community, if a community feels like so perfect and there's never any struggle, then it's not a real community because we are all flawed and we are all um, bringing our, our, our burdens and our struggles to the table, whether we build a business or we get into a relationship with someone we care about, or we create a community or lead a community, or we're a part of a community, right? We show up um, with our struggles and we have to be willing to work and work hard and care immensely about one another in order for it to be successful. And I think that just comes from being courageous enough to know that, you know, everyone has something to teach you and you're never going to be quote unquote perfect. So stop waiting for that moment when you are right. Stop waiting to be perfect. It's, it's really not going to happen. Mm, love it. Uh, I, I love the way that Ariana Huffington, she puts it, the whole topic of fear. Um, Ariana says this, she says, I believe that you should not allow fears to stop you from daring new thoughts, trying new things, taking risks, failing, starting again. 
and being happy. And I think the happy one is, is, is one of the most important ones. Um, so look, you, uh, Nat, you've been, yes, you're a photographer, you're in the visual industry, but there's a lot of things that you you're doing now that is outside of photography. Um, can we talk a little bit about learning outside of this industry? I think many photographers, yeah. um, we kind of find ourselves always learning solely from other photographers, other creatives. What benefits have you found looking outside of this industry into other kind of, um, industries? Oh, it changed my life. I, I describe it a little bit like, you know, I, I really looked at the photography world and I thought, wow, this is it. And I even, you know what, I even went as far as to place benchmarks for success, um, you know, within the photography sphere. And I said to myself, if I can do X, Y, Z, I will be successful. And I, you know, if you're listening to this, I'm curious how many of you guys have said that you've looked at a conference, maybe one day you'd love to speak at as a photographer or a planner you'd love to work with or a location you'd love to travel to, right? And you say, wow, if I can do that, I will have been successful. Now, what's really interesting is I lived that way for a long time. And then one day as I started to, and I don't know how to describe it other than like, I just genuinely felt like I just was looking at, uh, you know, my piece of paper for so long. And I like looked up at the entire classroom and realized how much else was out there that I'd never even knew existed. And, um, it's such a freeing and, completely uh, transformative moment when you look outside of your own industry, outside of your bubble, outside of the same five educators that you see speaking everywhere, right? Like really, truly learning from, you know, TED Talks and business podcasts and marketing books and um, even, you know, even spiritual books. Like I, I just feel like for all of us, we need to remember that you know, we have the opportunity to learn from so many people. And in doing that, you can gain just immense knowledge. I, it's one of the reasons why even when I teach now, I talk a lot about psychology and neuroscience because it's something I care a lot about. It's something I've, I've learned about. Um, I still study to this day and no one else in the industry ever really was talking about it. And I think that there's value in, in all of us finding those things that we care about, that we're passionate about, even outside of the scope of how to run a successful photography business and bring it to the photography business, bring it to your conversations with friends, right? Like, listen, if you do, I mean, I love Gary Vaynerchuk. I'm a huge um, fan of his. I know he's a little, a little crass for some people, very like... <laughs> not too crass for me in that. He's I not too crass him. for me. I just, He's my fave. I love him. And you know, it's funny, like that's a good example of, you know, someone that I I've listened to. I really admire his story where he's come from, how he's kind of built a life, um, you know, for himself. And it's, it's really inspiring to learn from him. But I was shocked to find how many photographers had no idea who he is, right? They know they could name like their favorite five photographers that they follow so closely, but yet one of the leading marketers in the country, they don't know. Um, and I think that that's exciting because that means there's so much more out there for you guys to discover and for me to discover every single day. And, you know, whether it's Brene Brown, Seth Godin, Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, like uh, John Acuff, even like I, there are so many great, uh, writers. Um, you know, we talked about even Lewis Howes, like there are just so many great writers, creators, educators, um, out in, in the world that, are just overflowing with incredible knowledge that you can bring to your business and apply to your life. And, uh, I just, it excites me because I, I really think we're, we're living in one of the most exciting times in terms of education. And, um, I mean, I hope, I hope this encourages you guys to just like, just start exploring and, um, start trying to learn from, from new voices. 
Yeah, go go look at those names. The names you just rattled off, they were all like home run, home run, home run, home run. <laughs> like, look, there's so much to be learned. The majority of what I've learned about running a photography business has been outside of the photography business. Right. Right? You Please, you guys, go look these names up. And look, Nat, you've gathered a bunch of these. This is a, it's a great segue to talk about the Rise Summit because you've taken even some of the names that you list right there. Man, Gary V, I love the fact that Gary is going to be keynoting at the Rise Summit. You've, you've gathered an audience of entrepreneurs. You've gathered an audience of givers, of people who are making the world better. Uh, and I, and I, want, I want you to explain the purpose of the RISE Summit, why you've gathered um, these individuals together uh, to give back to people. I'm, I'm look, look, I'm so jazzed to talk about this. There's a lot of times that, you know, some people will want to come on and, and maybe talk about a conference or a workshop or a thing. And I love that I reached out to you about this because I was so excited about the Rise Summit. Uh, and I was so excited about this audience. You guys, if you're listening right now, please, damn it, pay attention. This is so awesome. You guys, and it's, and it's there for you and it's free. Natalie, please, please explain what, what you've done here. Yes. So the Rise Summit is a little bit of what we just touched on. It was the idea that of a couple things. One, um, I really believe education is the key uh, for all of us. I think it's sort of the weapon with which we can, you know, fight the challenges of our lives in the world. If we have education, then, you know, we have the ability to just transcend um, from the place at which we are right now. And I think there's so much value. But I also recognize that there is the ability for us to use opportunities like this. Um, you know, we mentioned workshops and conferences, but especially online events like this to actually bring awareness to causes in the world that we care about, to raise money for things that we care about. And for us, the Rice Summit is a one-day online event. As you mentioned, it's completely free. You can register without putting down a dollar. We do ask for donations, but the cool part is 100% of the profit generated from this event is going directly to an organization called Pencils of Promise. And our goal is we want to raise, if not $35,000, $50,000, but with $35,000, we're going to be able to build a school in a country, in a developing country, where children right now don't have access to education. And so by educating one another um, in the creative industry and bringing in these cool speakers like Gary Vaynerchuk, as I mentioned, which is a fun story um, just in how we even, you know, were able to make that happen. I still think it's like a miracle. Uh, but, you know, Atima Louis, who is the CEO and founder of um, uh, essentially a lingerie company for women, it's called My Nudist, and she created an entire company around the idea that, you um, she couldn't find the quote unquote color nude, right? Like a nude shirt, a nude shoe uh, that actually matched her skin tone. And so she went out and she literally created a company that creates, um, you know, intimate wear for women that is in all shades of all skin tones so that every woman can be represented in the clothing that she wears and that the word nude can be redefined. And I just like phenomenal human beings, uh, the founder of Makers Movement, uh, the CYL uh, Collective. Um, I mean, my God, I could go on and on. I'm Jasmine Starr. Like all of these people, some photographers, but mostly not photographers who are coming to this event to educate, to share their knowledge. And it's going to bring a really fresh perspective, uh, sort of a unique approach to, to learning. And again, it's free. It's online. You can just keep your yoga pants on for the women, pajama pants on for the men or vice versa. Who knows if, you know, <laughs> I, I, Lululemon's like having a comeback out here in California. I feel like everyone's wearing them. Um, uh, but I, I, you know, grab your cup of coffee, show up and learn. And it's really cool. We're doing, you know, a ton of fun stuff around it as well. There'll be like a little Instagram, uh, challenge meet and greet beforehand to kind of ramp up some engagement and connection among the attendees and thousands of people have already registered. So we're very close to hitting our, our financial donation goals. Um, 
But I think the biggest takeaway here, and my hope will be that one, people leave feeling inspired with a ton of information and knowledge from educators that maybe they admire like I do and have known about for a long time, or maybe they've never heard of. And that's the beautiful thing there as well. And then also um, that we're able to do something powerful. We're able to build a school. And I, I just like that, that to me just, it blows my mind because we talk about legacy in our businesses, guys. We talk about, you know, creating work that impacts people long after our career, right? Like long after we're gone, that our work has meaning. And and you have to think about it like this, like by taking part in an event like Rise Summit, by donating to a cause that you care about, this particular one, for instance, every single child that's going to be able to learn because we've built this school is one life that is going to be changed because of these actions that we're taking right now in this moment. And their education is going to spiral outward their knowledge that they're going to gain from feeling valued and poured into and having opportunity, right? It's, it's tremendous. And I I think that it can't be underestimated that um, changing the life of one other human being, whether it's your neighbor next door, the photographer down the street or a child, you know, in, in Nicaragua, like that, that value, that, that tremendous life, um, guys, it's just, it's like, it's what it's about for me. Like it's, it was never about taking pretty pictures. It was always about doing something bigger with, with my hands and with my heart and with a camera, being able to use that tool in order to impact people for, for the better. And I bet if you're listening to this right now, that you have some similar story, like maybe yes, you, you're building a business and you are a businessman or a businesswoman, but I bet, I bet somewhere when you think about the real reasons why you get up every single day and you hustle hard, there's something deeper to that. And I have no doubt that it has something to do with, you know, something you care about impacting others or giving back or, you know, building a legacy for your children. I don't know what it is, but when you get there, when you think about it, I just want to challenge you to recognize that you can use a business like this. You could do, I mean, it doesn't have to be planning a rise summit. But it could be as simple as bringing awareness to something you care about, donating your time to document, um, you know, a, a situation going on in the world or a new family or someone struggling with an illness or whatever it is, right? Use your gifts, make an impact. Otherwise, like, you know, life is too short and our time is is so fleeting. It's like, I, I don't want to get morbid, but like it does. It just, it's the one thing we can't get back. We can always make more money. We can always, you know, go on and <laughs> like, I, I always say this, I'm like, you, you can do all these crazy things, but the time you have is a clock that is constantly ticking down. And I just want all of us to seize it wholeheartedly and understand that it is to be valued and cherished and to just live from a place of truly embracing life every single day and, and giving back in every opportunity that we can, because the most fulfillment doesn't come from standing on top of a ton of awards or having a long list of accomplishments, but it genuinely comes from being, you know, towards the end of your life. And I believe this looking back and realizing you've blazed a trail for other people that you have made world just a little bit better or made life a little bit better for the next generation. And I, I think that's something that every single person listening to this has the opportunity to do as a creative, as an entrepreneur. Yeah, it's, it's fun. Even as we were, it, go, it ties all the way back to when we were talking about um, gaining more self worth, uh, gaining more confidence, 
uh, in what you do. And one of the best ways that you can uh, elevate your confidence is to focus on giving value to other people rather than focusing on, you know, yourself. And what do I have? Like focus on instead, just helping bless others, help give, give, give. And the more that you give, the more that you receive that like, but the more that you give, by the way, for, for good or for worse is coming back. <laughs> it's, it's, it's coming back. Look, if you're listening right now and you've been doing the same thing over and over and you keep hearing the same things over and over, you know, from other photographers, like, please let's reframe this. Uh, let's reframe some of the conversations that we're having. And the rise summit is such an opportunity to do that. It's an opportunity for you to hear uh, a fresh voices, fresh perspectives, perspectives outside of the photography industry, perspectives that will push you and challenge you and embolden you. And so, um, I think it's an amazing thing that you've put together Nat, and I can't wait for people to get out there, uh, and, and listen in, um, Nat, where can people find the rise summit? Where can people find you? Awesome. Yes. So you can find more about the Rise Summit just at therisesummit.com. And um, it's, you know, obviously in collaboration with the Rising Tide Society and HoneyBook. So be sure to check out um, both of those websites as well. And then for me personally, it's just Natalie Frank. So nataliefrank.com. And then on Instagram, that's just my handle, Natalie Frank as well. And I would love to connect with you guys any way that I can help or be of service to you as you build this business. I would be absolutely delighted. Awesome. Natalie, thank you so much for, for talking, for, for just having a really genuine, honest conversation. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to listen in, uh, on it's the 25th, right? Yes. Yes. April 25th. Awesome. Excited to listen in at the rise summit on the 25th. Thanks girl. Appreciate you. Thank you so much. I hope today's episode offered you some perspective in your business uh, from listening to Natalie. You guys, I want to give a quick shout out and a massive thank you to one of the supporters of the SFP podcast. This goes out to Miller's. You guys, Miller's is is our print lab. This is where we get our professional prints and our albums. Please, you guys, do yourself and your business a favor and start prioritizing print. We've chosen Miller's because, uh, number one, their customer service is just incredible. And uh, number two, their albums, their, their prints go out so fast. There's no one else out there who's faster than Miller's. Number three is the quality of what they do and the care that they put behind it is, is bar none. So a huge thank you to Miller's. You guys, I've, you've heard me say this before. Don't let this be the end, right? I make these episodes once a week, but every day, Monday through Friday, I'm out there making live videos for you guys over at the Six Figure Photography Facebook page. There's over 170 episodes that have uh, already been recorded uh, at the time that this podcast is being made right now. And I want to encourage you guys to come listen live, interact with me, ask me questions and say hi. I want to continue to help you grow your business and grow your mind as much as I possibly can. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you in episode 44.